Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Live Stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines, and we welcome anyone and everyone to join us for Sunday School. It's not limited to just church members. It's for available for anyone who's online with us right now. In order to allow people to jump on with us as we get ready to have Sunday School for today, May 1st, 2022, uh, I'm going to play a selection from the Symphony of the Mountains. It is called, Oh Lord, We Praise You. We hope you enjoy it, and thank you for joining us this morning while we... If Yes, if there is an issue uh, that you run into with the music, please come back to us if it drops off. Uh, we think this one will work, but uh, we never know sometimes. We have to test them out. So here we go. Let's give it a shot, and uh, thanks again for being with us today. Oh, Lord, we praise you by the Symphony of the Mountains. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Clarinda. Good morning, Anne. And I'm going to say Larry's in the background. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. <clears throat> he is worthy of our praise. Amen. The Lord is worthy. Thank you for being here. It's a good morning for coffee before it gets too warm outside. Perhaps you heard the thunder boomers in the middle of the night. Symphony of the Mountains, O Lord, we praise you. Good morning, Cindy. Thanks for joining us today. It's May 1st, 2022. May the 1th. you take your allergy meds today. He is worthy to be praised. Amen. Morning, Arlen. just occurred to me <clears throat> as a sidebar. I forgot to test this out. I was considering putting on a live video, just like a random live video uh, prior to today to test out the music to see if it would fly. 
because uh, it should it should work all the way <laughs> toes crossed. <laughs> you got your fingers and toes crossed. If we test it out ahead of time, we can see if there's a glitch with that particular music and just switch off to something else. So I'm going to try to remember to do that next week. But uh, thank you again for sending it early. No problem. Sounds good to me so far. The director, Cornelia Lamley-Orth, Symphony of the Mountains. They have a real orchestra. Oh, we have a real orchestra, but I'm just saying, they have an orchestra too with violins and they're doing the, the whole... I, as I say it every time I'm up to speak, we have a real orchestra. I believe that's why I call it an orchestra. I'm talking about this particular video has a big orchestra. There's kids singing and there's people singing, adults singing. And... Amen. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to put that in motion next time. Amen. Amen. Applause everywhere. Oh, Lord, we praise you. Symphony of the Mountains. Directed by Cornelia Lamley-Orth. Amen. Uh, great musical selection to start the day. And we appreciate uh, everyone being with us this morning. We know that... Um, Depending upon how things were going last night, <clears throat> I, I should mention um, power might have gone off in some areas too, uh, which I uh, had not considered. But that's that's a possibility for some people. We may have had a brief outage ourselves, but I don't didn't impact us getting on the air or anything like that. But hopefully, we'll have some people uh, join us when they realize it's after 9:30. <laughs> uh, but thanks for being here again this morning. We um, we'll be continuing with Sunday school. The, the topic of uh, biblical inerrancy, and we're going to discuss the material. It's provided by um, uh, Dr. – well, it's not a doctor. It's, it's Sid Litke. Uh, he has a master's in theology, uh, how he got the Bible, and he uh, has some information here that's going to be very beneficial and helpful for us to understand the importance of looking at how the material was copied and provided. The transmission is the subject. We're doing part two of that. Before we get into that, we're going to go ahead and get into morning announcements. Uh, first of all, Pastor Gus is going to be preaching at church today, and he will be bringing a message uh, continuing on his uh, series of the rapture. And the topic of the uh, message is, uh, when will it happen? And he's kind of lumping in when he speaks about it, about the end times. He's going to say, when are these things going to happen? When are these things going to take place? And the answer is we don't have the, all of the information as to that. We, of course we don't. Um, it's kind of a provocative title for sure, right? You speculate on these things. But what we can say and what we can say with surety is that indeed it indeed will take place. It's going to happen. Uh, <clears throat> it is going to happen because God's word says so, and his word is truth. He does not lie. He tells us everything that we need to know to help us to be prepared for moments like this. So that is what we need to recognize when we see this. So that message will also be available online 
uh, here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page in the timeline immediately following Sunday School. It'll be available uh, at exactly 10 o'clock, actually. That's when it's going to set to hit on the timeline. But it'll be available after Sunday School, of course. Once you once we sign off here, you can go right to that. For those of you who are not coming to the church in Akron, our church in Akron, and we welcome, again, your participation online if you are not coming to church because we want you to have a church experience in some way, shape, or form. And you'll appreciate the message. It's a very good one. Uh, it's a great message. It, the nice thing about the online messages is that um, Pastor Gus takes his time and he goes over the material and, and speaks about it. And the, the neat thing about it is that you can always pause it if you need to go go and do something and come back to it. We prefer that you listen to it all the way through, of course. Uh, but we want you to make sure to, to understand that it's available for you uh, because we love the Lord. We want to serve the Lord. We want to make sure that the Lord is given his due when it comes to what the word has to say. And we want to encourage you as well, too. Uh, the word is there for encouragement as well. It's, it gives us insight into what is going to be happening in the future. Some things are already taking place, as he mentioned in the message that he gave. There are things taking place right now that tells you that we are indeed in the end times. And officially, the end times began pretty much when Jesus ascended um, uh, at his ascension uh, at 40 days after the resurrection. So uh, let's uh, keep that in mind as we move forward. But we appreciate your being here with us today. And if you're in Akron, we welcome seeing you in church at 11 after 11 o'clock today uh, down in Akron. Um, it's going to be one of those days where it's going to be a nice temperature outside, but it's going to be wet uh, in some spots. So just keep that in mind. But we welcome you nonetheless. And so look for the message on the timeline, as I had mentioned, uh, after Sunday school. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We welcome you participating with tithes and offerings as well, too. And how you doing, Debbie? Good morning. Thanks for being here. Um, the tithes and offerings are necessary for the church to continue to function. If you are mailing your tithes and offerings, if you're not coming to church today, please mail your tithes and offerings to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio. 44320. We welcome those highs and offerings. We want to keep them coming in. We still got to pay the bills. Still got to take care of business for benevolent reasons in the church. If we have someone who comes and needs assistance, we want to be able to help them out where we can. Uh, so we appreciate your uh, participate, participation in that as well, too. And the amazing thing about how this whole thing has worked out with the uh, pandemic, which uh, probably unof unofficially or will be done uh, this year, I don't know. We can't say for sure, but. Uh, we have not seen a lacking whatsoever with uh, the fact that we have not been in church the way we were in church prior to the pandemic. We appreciate everyone jumping in and stepping up and helping out because we are still having church. We are still participating in church. We're in the building, uh, so we need to make sure that we're taking care of business, and we appreciate everyone who has been uh, joining in and participating. Beverly, good morning. Um, thank you for being here this morning as well, too. Okay, I believe I have taken care of the business at hand when it comes to the announcements. <clears throat> Just please continue to pray for uh, those who have been recovering uh, from injuries or things like that. Um, just as a heads up, my dad was uh, did have his surgery. He is in the hospital. He is still recovering, but he is progressing, and we're very, very thankful for that. And we appreciate your prayers as well, too, as he continues to uh, improve. Uh, there's always these little things you got to take care of in between all that after a surgery, and, and including watching for infection and all that good stuff. So 
Nothing like that's taking place, so praise the Lord for that, and we just thank you for your prayers as well, too. We appreciate it very, very much. All right. We have uh, the matter of hand now to get back into Sunday school (laughs) and get back into the topic of the uh, session 13, the transmission, uh, transmission of uh, the word, the ancient copying process of the Hebrew and Greek manuscripts. And that's what the transmission is referring to. That's what we're looking at here. I'll do a brief um, review and then we'll get into the material today and talk about some scriptures as we get further along here too that you may see in some uh, Bibles and and others you may not see them. And it's going to be interesting to talk about that too and have a good discussion about it. But the bottom line is that even when we look at scriptures and copying and those issues, God did an amazing thing when he put together this whole process of revealing his, himself to us through his word and putting people in charge of this actual effort to make sure that his word was being preserved and kept through uh, almost a couple thousand years. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. That's, that's kind of where we are today. We need to recognize that that's what, what is happening today. You can go and buy a Bible uh, at a bookstore or go to even a used bookstore and buy a Bible and you'll see that the text, the copies are uh, authentic. They are the ones that are, will match others very, very well. There are very few issues with scripture when it comes to certain texts not looking exactly like the same thing, but we, we recognize that modern translations, there have been opportunities to do some things to make sure that the authenticity of scripture is indeed remains in, has indeed remained intact. And that's one of the good things about some of the new translations that we're talking about. The new translations, the English Standard Version, the, the, the NIV, uh, there was a 1984 version, which I, per, which I support. The, of course, the um, Holman Christian Standard Bible, now this Christian Standard Bible. We've got the New Living Translation, which was an improvement over the Old Living Bible. But all of those great uh, translations, these newer translations that are much more readable and easy to understand are very helpful for, you know, and even the New King James Version. I don't want to leave that one out as well, too. That's a great version as well, too. Helps us to have greater understanding over the King James Version, uh, which, as you are reminded, is back from 1611, the year 1611. That is almost, that is uh, 600, it's, no, it's not 600. Let me get that right. 400 years. (laughs) My math was terrible. It's about 400 years ago. So um, let's move on before I say something so crazy that everybody wants to jump off. So let's let's get back into the word. Yes. We appreciate we appreciate your prayers and your support. Um and let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we will get started. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to look at what your word has to say, but we also Lord want to Lord want to learn more about how we got the word that we received today, how it was put in place for us to have this understanding, how the Holy Spirit was the one who saw through and oversaw all of this entire process from the time when these scriptures were recorded, from the time when these things were written down. And Lord, we just thank you for the wisdom and the knowledge that was put forth, the diligence that was put forth, the care and concern that was put forth to make sure that your word remained true, that it was something that remained uh, in place, where there's no discussion about its authenticity for those who are legitimately looking at who you are and recognizing who you are. 
We thank you for all that you're doing to help us through this process of understanding. May it give us confidence that we can look to your word and know indeed that you are speaking to us and that there's no question about it or no discussion about it, that you indeed are speaking to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, giving us the understanding of what we read and and see as we open the book of the Bible and, and look at the different passages and and have greater understanding as we seek more from you. We thank you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everyone. A brief review just to get back into the topic of transmission. Of course, last week we spoke about the different types of writing materials that were available. And it, amazingly, pen and ink was one of the things that was available uh, as far as writing the actual things down. Um, of course, we have etchings that took place if we were writing something in tablets, uh, like stone tablets. Um, Animal skins were used, um, calf or antelope, parchment, sheep or goat, uh, leather, cow or bull. Um, 2 Timothy 4.13 talks about parchment uh, as being one of the things that was being written down and used. And back at that time, um, the early copying that had taken place, uh, we know that the original five books of the Bible were the first things that were uh, pretty much stored away, and we those were found in Second Kings. If you look in Second Kings 22, starting in 22, 8 verses, going to chapter 23, that that book of the law was somehow stored away in the temple, and it wasn't really being read or being followed. And But we recognize that uh, there were books of poetry, and if we can go further along and look at the Masoretes, those are the ones who were very, very zealous about making sure that that word was being recorded. And they did everything they could to make sure that it was very authentic. They went back and checked it. They copied it over. They copied it and made sure that they counted all the letters and made sure that everything was being done properly. And so we have a few uh, of the significant Masoretic manuscripts today. And when we talked about very briefly last week, the Septuagint, which was the translation of the old Hebrew Old Testament into the Greek language, and that was made in about the 2nd or 3rd century B.C., and there's about 300 copies of that Septuagint available, and this was the common Hebrew Bible that was used, Um, and it was uh, quoted by Jesus and the apostles, of course. They lived in a Greek culture, so it was important for, uh, with greater understanding, they would be able to speak Greek and, and, and translate it effectively. And so we know that there are a few copies available of the Hebrew Bibles. Um, and there are, the best existing Hebrew copies were written about 8,900 to 1,000. So now let's get to the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I, I meant, you know, some of you might have been wondering when I was going to get to the Dead Sea Scrolls because that is a very significant finding uh, that took place uh, back in the day. And it was a... Uh, the the oldest complete copy of a Hebrew Old Testament uh, in existence is dated about A.D. 1000. And that's a long time um, after the originals were written. The originals were written between 1450 to 400 B.C. Uh, but there are portions that date back farther. And the most significant uh, portion is the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found. They were discovered in caves, uh, for those of you who are historians, back in 1947 by an Arabian shepherd boy. Isn't it amazing how God will reveal himself? It's interesting that this was done in about 1947, and I know that it's perhaps the Lord is just giving uh, 
uh, color to the fact that Israel as a nation, uh, one year later that took place, after the discovery of these Dead Sea Scrolls, one year later the nation of Israel uh, was formed in 1948. So I'm, I'm mentioning that not because I, I, I know anything special. I don't. But it's just interesting how God is revealing himself to his people and has been doing so. And was doing so, frankly, at a time when uh, it, need, it was ready for the people to be receptive to it and to hear it. But, and how God uses the lowly, a shepherd boy, an Arabian shepherd boy, to discover these Dead Sea Scrolls um, in 1947 in caves. Um, they were well-preserved Hebrew text fragments that date back to 100 B.C. That's 100 years before Christ. And they include many Bible portions, including some complete books. And the value to their credibility of our Bible, uh, to the credulity, excuse me, of our, our Bible is uh, amazing in that there is virtual agreement between these Hebrew texts and the ones dated 1,100 years later. This proves how accurately the scribes did the copies of these Bibles for all these years. You have to understand something. Copying something is very meticulous. It's very, very, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And I'm going to trust that those people who are working and doing the copies on this, they, they had this relationship with the Lord and they were in prayer about what they were doing and they were just making sure that whatever they were doing was exactly as the Lord had intended, to, it, intended it to be done. Um, we have people today out there, everybody, I'm, I, I can't stress this enough, who who will try to tell you that Satan, for whatever reason, was so powerful that he altered the texts of the Bible to reflect something that was not originally intended. I, I just I reject it um, in all totality, and I would tell them to their faces the same thing, because all you're doing is diminishing the power of God. God is much more powerful than Satan. God has much more ability. Uh, he allows Satan to do certain things, but Satan cannot go or step beyond uh, the authority that God has given to him. And we have to recognize this as well, too, that this whole thing about making sure that these copies are authentic over the years, that was God's responsibility to make sure of that. And I trust that he did it because it doesn't make sense to come back and say that Satan, um, in his authority or his level of authority, would, would alter the word of God. Keep in mind, even when Satan was speaking to Jesus when he was uh, in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, guess what Satan was doing? He was quoting scripture. He, wasn't, he was quoting in such a way where he tried to alter the meaning of it through a lack of context, but the scripture was indeed authentic. He knows better, and he understands that. And it's important for us to make sure that we always look at the authenticity of scripture and the standpoint of the context of what we're reading for greater understanding. We, we must take that approach and reject anyone who dares to say that Scripture has been altered so much over the course of time because of Satan getting involved and altering the copies of what it was being originally intended. It is a, it is a well, it's blasphemous. Um, I'll just leave it there uh, because I, I have much stronger terms to use, but I won't do that here. I think it's ultimately, it comes down to making sure that uh, we trust what God has done and kept these words to be authentic. Um, one example that shows the authenticity of the Dead Sea Scrolls, by the way, is the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, through all the years of copying, the text of Isaiah remained virtually identical 
over all the years of translation. And they were able to pull the book of Isaiah out from the Dead Sea Scrolls and look at it and say, boy, it looks exactly like it was originally intended. So what you're reading today in the book of Isaiah is exactly what God wants you to see, and he wants you to recognize that. And so the evidence shows that our Old Testaments today are extremely accurate reflections of the original manuscripts. Of course, because the Old Testaments are older, there are fewer copies available of the originals, that, the original copies that were made. But thankfully, because we have a Bible today, we, the Bible is still the best, world's best-selling book, still available, still out there for anyone who... Um, and it's even available for free for some people. Um, you can go and look at a Bible anywhere. I love the Gideons. They used to live, leave those Bibles in the um, hotel rooms. Uh, they and they still do. You know what? They still do. Uh, I know a gentleman who was a, uh, one of those people who was involved with that. We just don't see it as often in some of the modern hotels. But some of the other hotels, a lot of hotels, they still do it. They still actually leave those Bibles out there. So it's available for many people to take a look at and see. Um, and now with the electronic age, praise the Lord for how he is making sure that the word is out there everywhere. Um, with something as simple as an iPhone or, or uh, an Android tablet or an Android phone or, or an, I, uh, uh, an iPad, you can get scripture. You can look at scripture through apps that are free. Uh, it is an amazing thing that you can. we have access to the word now. Uh, both electronically, those electronic devices, amen, and the Bible itself. But the Old Testament has been kept and preserved. Not a lot of copies of those. They are available. They're there, but they are being reproduced now and used, uh, available for use within our new, our newer modern translations, the translations that allow us to go out and be able to uh, spread the word, spread the gospel throughout. We are indeed in the end times, everybody. We're coming to a place where if the word gets everywhere and gets everywhere until, to the point where God is trying to reach every single individual, um, I have to kind of modify my statement from the past where I think it's, there comes a time where when God is going to pull the trigger and say, that's it. That is true, <clears throat> but we don't know the timing. We know that it's still important for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to proclaim the word and speak the word and speak truth and make sure that we are doing everything we can to witness and speak to others who do not know. We have people in our own families who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that they understand where we're coming from, understand that the word of truth is right there, available for you to look at, and pray for discernment, for understanding, and the Spirit will take care of the rest. Amen? So let's move on here and talk about this copying process of the New Testament. We covered the Old Testament primarily, and now the New Testament. So the New Testament originally was written in Greek. We've already kind of mentioned that. And there are different types of Greek manuscripts that are available in the New Testament. And the New Testament, just by logic, is much more recent uh, because of the events of Jesus Christ. It writes about Christ, and it writes about his being on earth, as well as those who followed him and their ministry, as they read about in the book of Acts and all the letters that go after that. Paul and the letters written. Uh, John wrote some letters as well, too. Um, Peter wrote letters. So we need to recognize that these are all newer uh, texts. The New Testament books were originally written in papyrus sheets. Uh, it's like a form of paper, plant material, 
and parchment, animal skin. So papyrus and parchment. And writing at that time was all done, was done all in capital letters <laughs> with no punctuation or division between words. Now that's uncial, U-N-C-I-A-L. That's what that represents when you see all caps, um, no punctuation. All the copies from the 1st to about the 6th century A.D. were done that way, uncial, U-N-C-I-A-L, all caps. Um, that's the way I look at it. So the copies... Again, from the 1st to the 6th century were written that way. And so now you've got, it's responsible for confusion by some Greek uh, textual scholars today who need to determine where one word stops and the next word begins. And that would be, that would be confusing, wouldn't it? Uh, wondering what, how that's, that's all being framed out. Now, by the 7th or the 8th centuries, the Greek manuscripts were put into small letters with punctuation, word, and paragraph divisions which is called minuscule. You've heard that word, minuscule. It means there's just a shortening. Uh, the words are smaller. And so we have both types of ancient manuscripts existing today. They had the uncial version and the minuscule versions. So how reliable are these Greek manuscripts? Well, we're, we're pretty certain that they're more reliable just because of the, of the age, the di age difference. They were, they were recorded... Um, the New Testament was written between A.D. 45 and A.D. 90. The text that we read right now was written sometime between those, those years, A.D. 45 to 90. The ones, the, 90, the, the, the year 90, I believe, is attributed to John uh, because of his being in exile on the island of Patmos. He was writing uh, then as well, too. And so we, we pretty much have those dates in mind when we look at that. Some fragments of Greek texts exist that date back to A.D. 120 and A.D. 150, but that's only 35 to 100 years after the originals were written by Paul and John and Luke and others. Um, I, ne I never thought about how important Luke was in this whole process, but Luke wrote, of course, wrote the book of Luke, but he also was involved with the book of Acts, uh, a very, very important text that covers history. That He was really, really meticulous about what was written about, and we appreciate all of that effort for sure. And one big help to Greek textual scholars when we talk, talk about authenticity here is that the fact that there are four to 5,000 New Testament Greek manuscripts, either partial or complete, existing. So by comparing all these copies, scholars can weed out many possible copying mistakes. These were, the, these were not done by the Masoretes. These were being done by individuals who came after all of that. And we have to understand that people, you know, may not have been as diligent. They may have made some mistakes in the copies, and we have to go back and look at those mistakes and fix them. And we also need to look at something later on, too, that we'll look at about on some differences between the translations as well, too. So there are two factors that confirm the Greek texts available to scholars today. And they are very accurate, and that makes them very accurate reflections of the original writings. What are these things? We have copies that are dated closely to the time of the original writing, and we got a lot of copies. If you were to compare to uh, manuscripts written by Plato or Caesar or Herodotus or Aristotle, there are um, very, very few copies. There are 10 or fewer of each of those copies of, of the manuscripts that they wrote, 10 or fewer. But the New Testament, uh, 35 to 100 years later, 
uh, four to five, four to five thousand. I think, I, yeah, five thousand, not fifty. Four to five thousand. So we we have to understand that you know Plato, when he wrote um, his writings, there's only seven copies left of Plato, uh, original Plato. Caesar, about ten copies. Herodotus, about eight. Aristotle, only about five. Um, these are all Greek scholars. These are all people, or either Greek scholars or people who are involved in the culture. And so we need to recognize that as well, too. But there's four to 5,000 copies of the New Testament. God has sovereignly preserved his word, and he has done so in virtually accurate form. Now, we've talked about this before, about when we say virtually accurate, that's not 100% accurate, is it? It has to do with the copying issues. But we can be confident that the Greek texts used by scholars making modern translations are very accurate. And that's the key. The modern translations, we, we have to go back and look at this. And let's look at, at some examples of, um, I want you to go to, um, I just turned off my, hold on. Um, look at some differences in Greek translations. Go to John chapter 5. John 5, and we're going to look at some examples here really quick. Verse 3. I want you to look at something here. Um, It's going to be something that I'm going to be looking at the English Standard Version. I want you to look at your version and see if you find the same thing. If you don't look very closely, you won't find it. We start with verse 3. In these, this is referring to the sheep gate at the pool. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now, in my Bible, it jumps from verse 3 to verse 5. The next verse is verse 5. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, that's, you know, if you, do, if you go very quickly, you'll never notice that, right? You just have to just, just keep reading as if nothing is going on. But it jumps right from verse 3 in, in John, John chapter 5 to verse 5. Where's John? Where's John four? Uh, John five verse four. Well, some phrases were omitted, and we 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 don't have the complete story on that. We do know that there are some verses that were omitted. If you were to jump over it, for example, now go to John chapter seven, and go to verse fifty three. John seven. Go back where I was. Go to verse 53. Now, this is another situation where there is text. And this is a very key part of text that we look at and we have been looking at over the years. You'll notice at verse 53, perhaps you'll see it in your Bible, or there'll be a footnote or some mention of it where verse 53 starts out in brackets of some sort. There's a bracket. I've seen this in the New Living Translation. I've seen this in other versions as well, too. The English Standard Version has the same thing. It start, verse 53 starts with brackets. And if you jump over to verse uh, chapter 8 and scroll all the way down to verse 11, you'll see the closed brackets after verse 11. Well, now, why is that taking place? There are some phrases in some passages of some Bibles, depending upon the translation, where you would not see verses uh, John 7, 53 through 8, 11. In these modern translations, they're pulling them in to make sure that they're included, but they're showing you and telling you they may not have been included in the original text copies or writings for whatever reason. When they go back, you have to understand there were different copies being made by different people. 
And so when they go back and look at this, are these things authentic? Yes, I believe they are still authentic. What we have to understand about these omissions that take place originally and then they are brought back in, as they go back and look at these original manuscripts, you have to understand something. Is the text itself relevant or something that is so important that it, it would just blow up the whole idea of Jesus Christ being the Son of God and salvation and all that? And the answer is no, it won't do that at all. But we need to make sure that we are explaining these things as people read them and understand them. And you have to understand that this is a very important passage in John chapter 8, verse 1, about the woman uh, who was being brought forth because of adultery charges. And, and that's something that we read and quote all the time. So it's something that's there. And you'll notice that in this passage, Jesus is quoted uh, as being one who is speaking to the woman and, and speaking to the people as well, too, who want to stone her. So there is important relevance here, but we want to recognize that for what it is. Um, another example that's being given here is Mark chapter 16. Let me see if I can pull it. Mark 16, verse 9. Yep. Mark 16, verse 9, and also it goes down to all the way to verse 20. Once again, in Mark chapter 16, verse 9, there are double brackets on my Bible. I'm looking at the electronic version of it. And this is the beginning reference you'll notice here is that we refer to this passage uh, as being authentic because of the fact that it references how Mary Magdalene, where do we get the information about seven demons being cast out? Right here in this particular passage. It's not mentioned anywhere else. Mark is capturing this, and he's mentioning it for us for this information. And it, it continues further down um, about... How about he, how he appeared to two disciples, and then it talks about the Great Commission. The Great Commission, you have to understand, is a very important passage in Scripture, isn't it? It describes some things here, too. And it talks about how there is power, um, the power of God will be going through individuals who are uh, proclaiming the Great Commission. And it goes down to verse 20, and he went out and preached everywhere where the, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Um, and there's other examples of that, too. Um, I'm not going to cover First John chapter 3, um, but I'll, I'll just mention that some modern Bibles, NIV, also have a footnote of, small, footnote of smaller details or words that differ in some manuscripts. There's just different copies of this New Testament out there. It's much more of an issue for the New Testament than it is for the Old Testament, um, where we see these differences. But it doesn't mean that those things are not authentic. They just could have been copying errors. They could have been left out. They could have been overlooked in some of their copying efforts. So we want to make sure that they are in brackets. They are put forth because we want to give a, let's call it a disclaimer, right? Are those passages important for greater understanding? Yes and no. I mean, they are important because we do need uh, this information for the sake of greater understanding. But at the same time, if those passages were never there at all, uh, even if the copies were mistaken, um, we would still get the message about Jesus Christ being the Son of God. We would still get the message about the importance of the Great Commission, as he mentioned in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. We would still get that information. So it's, it's important to understand that because we have human beings and we have mistakes can be made, 
we are very, very thankful for those modern translations that pull this information back to us and give us the original intent of what was being said in Scripture, even though there may have been copying errors. So the debate about these differences centers on two theories about which Greek manuscripts are, be are the best. One theory, which is the critical text view, is that oldest, the oldest manuscripts are the most accurate. Okay, that's one view. Um, the theory is that the oldest manuscripts are most significant, although there are few of them. Um, the other theory, which is the majority text view, is that the type of manuscripts that survived in greatest numbers are the most accurate, even if they are less ancient. Most modern translations are based on the critical textual theory, the critical text view. Uh, and that's the modern translations, the NIV, the, uh, the NASV, the RSV, Revised Standard Version. The King James and the New King James Versions are based on the majority textual theory. So this explains why occasionally there's a disagreement found in the New Testament between the King James Version and modern translations. Um, Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, we just talked about. John chapter 7, verses 53 through 8, 11 are really part of the inspired text of the New Testament. So we, we are going to trust that this view is the view that we need to be looking at here. This is the view that we need to see. And we're going to trust that the modern translations that we have are giving us information to tell us, okay, there may have been an issue where these things were omitted, but these are authentic as far as we are concerned when it looks at, looks at the wisdom that God is trying to proclaim. I, I'm attributing it to just copying errors. Those things were just left out because those particular passages, it could have been one scroll. It could have been a, a series of scrolls that, for whatever reason, it just got left out originally, and now they're being brought back in because they are indeed people went back and did the research and looked at it and said, well, these things should be here. They are relevant to giving us complete information about the life of Jesus, for example, when we look at these passages. But ultimately what it comes down to is that we are trusting that God is making sure that we are getting the authentic word in spite of what happened with these different theories. We can argue about what should be and what shouldn't be in the Bible, but I'm going to trust that what God has in the Bible for us to read today is what is authentic and what we need to see. And we recognize that uh, even as God was delivering the tablets to Moses, who was a man and got angry and broke the tablets the first time, they had to be re-chiseled and re redone. We have to understand that God is the one who is orchestrating all of these events that are taking place for us to see the truth of his word, the authenticity of his word. He is making sure that in the hearts of those where it really matters, we don't need to question or look at these words and say, is this the real deal? Is this the real thing? Because the, the passages that we look at today are uh, authentic. They are lining up with each other. I can open up the ESV and open up the New Living Translation and see these passages. They may have brackets on them, but they're there. They're part of the text. We want to trust that that's what's happening. And to avoid speculation, all we have are these different views. We don't need to get into a whole lot of discussion about these views before a couple of different sets of passages that ultimately do not change the meaning of who Jesus Christ is, do not alter in any way, shape, or form uh, the importance of following Jesus Christ, don't do anything to uh, take us away from uh, recognizing who Jesus is. You know, I have to understand something. 
some people, uh, they're, they're probably hypocritical, frankly, uh, if we look at those who are criticizing Scripture. They'll just look for one thing as a different thing and go, aha, well, that means that this doesn't work. This is not authentic, and that's, that is not true at all. In fact, I would dare say that Satan wants us to question God's word in its entirety uh, as far as its authenticity. That's what Satan would love to have us do, but we recognize that Satan is a liar and the father of liars, and he continually lies, and God warns us of Satan uh, and how he lies and how he continues to deceive. Uh, he has been a deceiver from the very beginning. He deceived Eve. Uh, he deceived Adam. He's always been that way. That is a way he has always been contrary to the word of God. So we recognize that and look at it for what it is. Don't let yourself get caught up in conversations about is the Bible true just because of copying issues like this or when we look at how the text is being rolled in with brackets and stuff like that. I, ho I hope you can trust that it's good stuff that you're reading. That it's, it's very important stuff that we're reading and that we need to treat it for what it is. Now, Sid Litke, who provided this material, says he prefers the majority text theory behind the King James Version. Um, and the King James Version is a great version. Uh, let's not take anything away from it, but because a lot of these modern versions come to help enhance, frankly, the King James Version, but it just makes these makes it more readable. King James Version is just not as easy to read because we don't speak the way the King James is written. Uh, none of us do. Uh, and so it's important for us to get behind getting a modern version of Scripture like the English Standard Version, which is available free, by the way, uh, in most Bible apps or whatever. It, you can buy it, of course, in the, in the bookstore, but the English Standard Version is an excellent version to get it behind and look at. Um, many uh, There are many other versions that, because of licensing issues, sometimes you, you have to pay for them, but it's usually a nominal amount. But we recognize that um, the bottom line is that the word is true all the way through for these modern translations. New Living Translation, the NIV version, I'm going to stick by 1984 version of the NIV, by the way. Um, I'm not a big fan of the modern version of the NIV because of the gender issues that are coming up in the text. Um, so that's just my opinion. I take it for what it's worth. Um, the um, I'm leaving out something here. New Living Translation, we've got the Christian Standard Bible Version, a decent Bible, a very good Bible version. Uh, Tony Evans has a study Bible under the Christian Standard Bible, which is, you have to understand something about that too. A lot of this is licensing stuff. Uh, you, you would like to believe that Tony Evans indeed endorses the Christian Standard Bible because that's what he has his name attached to, but understand something, there's licensing things that goes on here, so we need to make sure we don't get too caught up in that. You have, to, you have to like the Bible for what it is that it represents and what it says to you and how the Spirit speaks to you about it. So I always recommend having cross texts like the New King James Version, for example, which tries to take the edge off of the old King James Version, regular King James Version, uh, with the these and thous and that's, uh, uh, that type of thing. You get a Bible version you're comfortable with, and you don't just have one version, you have more than one. Because you want to be able to do uh, cross-textual... Um, comparisons. Some other versions out there, the um, Evangelical Heritage Version, the uh, Contemporary English Version, these are good versions as well too for readability. That's what they're for, there for, for readability, for greater understanding. In fact, um, the Really Recovered group that we 
um, uh, are involved with with the Alliance. Um, they hand out all New Living Translation Bibles to the newest people. Why? Because of their readability. They're great readability. They have more of a dynamic equivalence when it comes to text understanding, but we appreciate very much that, that they want people to be able to read and understand what they're reading. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And you let the Spirit take care of the rest. Amen. As they get more and more into the Word, the New Living Translation can be supplemented by a New King James Version, English Standard Version, whatever it is. But the bottom line is that we want people reading the Bible. We want people into the Bible. And we don't want people having to question what they're reading. Amen. They need to be able to see that what they're reading is important. So the discrepancies that we talk about are usually not major. Scholars and interpreters will continue to debate the theories, but no major doctrines or principles are affected by these discrepancies between the Greek text and the resultant English versions of the Bible. So we need to trust that God has taken care of business. He has taken care of it where we can really see and understand that his word is true and that we rely upon it for truth and we rely upon him for discernment of this truth as we read and meditate on his word. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for how you teach us about the texts that we read and how you give us understanding as to why we see what we see. We thank you for greater understanding. We thank you for explanations on how we see brackets in our text sometimes and what does that represent. And we thank you for giving us the wisdom and knowledge to understand that you do want us to see the complete picture of these texts. We don't want to see things that are left out. We want to see things that are included that are helpful in greater understanding. We thank you for giving us what we need as we go forward. We thank you for showing us the authenticity of Scripture. And Lord, your word is truth as you have proclaimed over and over again. And we thank you for that truth. We thank you for the teaching. Lord, may we be inspired by your word and may it inspire others to be able to speak about your word and even take the next step and even teach about your word. Lord, we need more teachers. We need more people who are willing to step up and speak about your word and take the time over to explain what is being presented. We thank you, Lord, for those future teachers. We know that's a huge responsibility because we want to make sure that what we're teaching is your truth. And Lord, we just give you thanks and praise for all that you do and all that you continue to do to help us have greater understanding of your word. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, everyone, thanks for sitting through this, <laughs> the explanations of Scripture. And we thank you for the understanding here, too, because it's a topic that needs to be covered. We need to make sure that what we're reading is truth, and that's what Sunday School is all about. And we appreciate you joining us today and staying with us through this topic. We'll have a new subject next week. We appreciate you being here. Um, God bless you all. Have safe travels going out today. And we will make sure that we provide some good information for you next time. Stay tuned online for Pastor Gus's message uh, pertaining to uh, the message about when will it all happen? When will it happen? Uh, we're talking about the end times. The, the rapture series continues. And I'll see you in church for those of you in Akron at 11 o'clock. Uh, save us a spot. Yeah, save us a spot. Amen. <laughs> save my bride and I a spot. Thank you. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.